Welcome to Hand Therapy Heroes, the premier podcast on hand and upper extremity rehabilitation. As a worldwide educator and developer of best-in-class hand therapy content, Susan Weiss, occupational therapist and certified hand therapist, brings you an array of hand therapy specialists, hand care solutions, and more. Welcome to Hand Therapy Heroes. How many times have you created something with a patient and just knew it would work for more people? Maybe an orthosis, a clinic activity, or a stretching technique. Just about every one of you has just thought in your head, yeah, of course I have. I have a guest today who has had that happen to her and she acted on this idea. Our guest today is Wendy Medeiros. Wendy and I have known each other for over 15 years and have both had interesting entrepreneurial passages with our hand therapy and upper extremity careers. I'm delighted to have Wendy chat with us today about her creation of an amazing product, the Wrist Widget. The Wrist Widget facilitates healing of people suffering with TFCC tears. She has case after case that she has touched personally with this devastating injury. She has saved the careers of athletes and professionals throughout the world and has helped thousands of people live pain-free lives. I'm so excited for you to hear just a small bit of Wendy's path. And Wendy would love to inspire more professionals to share their inventions with the world. Let's start discussing with Wendy a little bit about how she got into hand and upper extremity therapy. You asked about how I got into hand therapy. Well, I was doing internship at Shriners Hospital in Honolulu for a pre-med program. And uh, there was a hand therapist there that was making amazing, beautiful structures that captured my attention. And I didn't really understand the details of it because my mind was on pre-med program. And then again, after I uh, went to San Jose State, I did an internship at Stanford and then got hired on. And the hand department was always the kind of the elite of all of the, hand, the therapists. And uh, there was a, uh, my boss, Jody Greenhall at Stanford. She was the, kind of the only person on staff to do emergency splinting. And she did some amazing things and that captured my attention. I worked my way to get into the hand therapy department. And that's, that's kind of how I got into it. So you got into hand therapy and you specialized yeah. in hands right away after you were done with school. Yeah. You went right into hands in what? kind of went on from there. Well, I did I did all of the exciting stuff at Stanford Hospital, you know, the lymphedema work and dysphagia and the typical new grad rotation orthopedics and then, you know, med surge and oncology. And then I moved over to the hand department, took my CHT, and then I had my first child and um, went into private practice working for somebody else. And then I went back to Stanford. I was per diem. And um, the first day I went back, I got a call that my daughter was sick. And I pretty much decided that if I had stayed there, I probably would have gotten fired. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I uh, went into private practice and then moved home to Hawaii um, in 2003. 
and opened a private practice in Hawaii. And the way that the wrist widget came along was there was a a specific patient that had four children and was a upholsterer. And she had a, a, a complete central tear, refused surgery, tried casting, hated it, and refused the casting and the Munster splint. But she had uh, wrapped her wrist with leather. And it, she says, I can function just fine if I have it tied down like this. But her wrist w- hand turned blue. So she just insisted that I keep working on something to get her back to work. And that's kind of where the wrist widget started. But you know how when you have a hand clinic, uh, you see these bunches of injuries all at once. Suddenly you see a lot of carpal tunnel or wrist fractures or burns yeah. or whatever. I had a, a, a like a, a 12 patients come in all with TFCC tears. Oh and she just, she just, you know, said, you got to try this. You got to try this. So I was making these things and they just kept coming and it, it just kept knocking down my door, you know, because it was working. And I, I really didn't know what it was doing at the time. I had no idea. All I knew is that she could function. And so I, I came up with that weight bearing test. And that, that was pretty dramatic because she had 10 pounds without and then it went up to normal. So she could function. But I didn't know how long to wear it and what the outcomes were. And, um, and meanwhile, I'm making so many of them. And I decided to do a, a poor man's patent or a file a patent for it because the effects were so loud. And I thought, you know, I think I need to, to, to patent this idea. And at that point, I had been working on it like, you know, maybe about three months, so maybe four months. And so that started the ball for, for you get a year when you file your preliminary patent. You get a year before you have to draft up your final drawings and, and, and be more legal about it. And so that was kind of the period where I, I tried to perfect the sewing and the design of it. But I got a call from a, there was an article in the newspaper that was talking about bringing the U.S. Patent Office to Hawaii. And I was curious about the, the progress of that. So I contacted the writer of the article and asked if I could get information about it. And he said, sure, he actually wanted to spend some time talking to me and said, can we meet tomorrow? And showed up at my clinic with a full newspaper crew and you know, video and cameras and everything and took this video recording of the invention, which was really preliminary at that time. But the next day it showed up on the front page of the business section here. And within 24 hours, I had 2000 calls and oh my goodness. um and it was so loud i decided that i needed to close my practice and spend <clears throat> as much time on it as i could which was a big deal there was a it was a big decision at the time but so you know at, at first it took me about an hour to make one it you know i had to sew and i wasn't really good at sewing and um so it took me a while and i knew i needed to kind of move a little bit faster and, and so you know, back then, the this was in 2006. There wasn't, um, you know, the first iPhone didn't come out till 2008. So just creating a website was an ordeal. <laughs> I hear you. I remember. <laughs> so, I I remember paying six thousand dollars, which was a lot of money to me, and uh, for a website. And the website just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And um, you know, I I. I because I didn't know really what the what the protocol was most of my time was spent just walking patients through every week you know every week calling and seeing how things are going and um 
you know, and, and, and since then, I think I've gathered about, I probably have 55, probably thousand cases now logged. And, um, that's a lot of cases (laughs) that you've personally touched. Yeah. Yeah. Where I've, I've just, um, you know, taken all of their information and, and, and every week documented their progress. And, um, so it was, you know, that was my primary work is instead of having a patient come to you visit, I would pick up the phone and video and look and analyze and look and analyze. And, um, and that was when really the weight bearing test became a, a, a really clear as a, wonderful tool to measure um, stability in the wrist. So on the weight-bearing test, speaking of, um, a lot of the listeners here might have absolutely no clue what you're talking about. So we need to rewind a little. I mean, it is an absolutely phenomenal story, but this process that you've discussed, like, first of all, it's been over many, many years. So I want to slow down just a little bit and explain to people a little bit more from conception to where you are, like timeline, how that all went, because it's it's quite vast what you've done, and, and but it it is over a lot of years. And then when you're mentioning the weight-bearing test, some people might not even know what that means. And specifically, what is a wrist rigid and what does it do? Because we might yeah. be jumping ahead on on uh, some of those <laughs> concepts. <laughs> right. Okay. So the wrist widget is just a, a not just. <laughs> it, it, well, yeah, it's a it's a non elastic band that doesn't compress the ulna head, and it wraps circumferentially around the wrist, and then is tightened manually with a velcro hold. It doesn't pass the wrist. It just is across the radius, distal radius and ulna. Um, the, the main components of it are, is that it's non-elastic and that it doesn't compress the ulna head. And, you know, it, uh, the weight-bearing test is, um, you know, when, when we're looking at the wrist, the tools that we have are MRIs and x-rays and CT scans and um, grip tests and this piano key test and all these other um, tests that they do in the clinic. The, the weight-bearing test uses a simple non-digital scale, which is available to anywhere on the planet. And when you place your hand flat and your fingers are straight and your elbow is straight and you push down, there's a point. Um, it, it, most people uh, have about 70 pounds of weight-bearing. It's definitely based on age, height, and bone density. But Um, you know, the average is about 70 pounds and there's no difference between the dominant, non-dominant, right and left. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it is when somebody has a a ligament tear of the TFCC, their weight bearing is painful Mm -hmm. and it's measurable objectively with a, a non-digital scale. And, um, it's, it's, it's a really wonderful tool to analyze what's going on in the wrist. It's well known that MRIs have a, uh, a high false positive on on the TFCC. It's a, it's a it's not a great tool to understand how bad an injury is. You know how far are you from normal? What how does it change over the course of time? What structures are involved? There's it's not the the risk the weight bearing test is is a, a really 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 wonderful tool to measure the risk. Yeah. Is there are there assessments that have been done in the literature that people can review on that as well? 
Well, I just finished um, after six years of collecting weight bearing data um, around the world. I, I, I wanted to understand with clarity what the norms are in the adult wrist ages 18 to 65. And so I collected data in um, 12 countries with a wide range of heights and ages. And um, I'm just publishing that. Um, hopefully, it just was submitted. So we'll see. We'll see. But I just finished that study. And those that that defines the norms. So once we have the norms established, then more detailed studies can come out. There's a bunch of people that are researching the wrist widget right now in Europe um, as far as the weight bearing and then what they're seeing arthroscopically. But those probably are going to take another year or two to, to complete. That's yeah. awesome. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What are the things that you can tell people when they have something in the clinic and they are like you, a patient brings it to them or they figure it out with a patient and it works. It's, it's like, wow, that makes sense. What do they do? How do they get to where you are? How can they create something like that? I mean, there are some people that have paved the path. Judy Colditz was an inspiration. You know, she did the thumb splint and the push, which evolved into the push splint. You know, if you look out on the marketplace and you see what's available for a particular injury, it, I think that our industry, our perspective can really add to it. And then the, then the question is, how do you make it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I tend to like to fix and make things. So I have a mechanical mind for sure. Um, and I think most hand therapists do as well. If somebody, if you're, if you see something that has an application that's effective for any sort of injury in the wrist, you know, silver ring splint is one that has been successful. I, there's the hand fix, which is a trigger finger splint, um, which has also been successful. There's the elbow. We've, we've got some bandit. uh, There's a bandit splint that, that, was another one. I mean, I would guess that there's probably 10 splints that have entered the market and done successful, been successful um, at That's relatively small though. And you it's think very about it. small. It's really small. And most people that are in the business of manufacturing wrist splints or hand splints, they're not in the business of treating the injury. So there's right. challenges to, I think, that if there's something that is successful in your practice, figure out how to make it so that it's available to a larger population. Because there are so many people on this planet that hurt their wrists and don't have all the access to technologies that we have as Americans. You know, we don't have access to hand therapists. We, there's not a lot of hand therapists globally. So they don't have access to MRIs. They don't have access to basic stuff. So to me, it's it's just figuring out how to make something that does no harm, um, that helps a larger population in need. Yeah. So you're directly working with the the patients through your website, or do you use sales channels? How do people find you? Yeah, that is kind of what is an interesting thing about the wrist widget is. I just put it out there. I early on, I did not want to assert it always, it just felt wrong to assert it on people. I wanted it to just be there and available. And then it spread kind of like an, uh, it just spread like well, people would share it with other people and they would share it with other people and they, they find it somehow. I don't, 
I, the explosion of the wrist widget is always perplexed me greatly because it was pretty fast, pretty fast. <laughs> I mean, I remember the very beginning because we did some work together. We had shared yeah. the, the widget through our newsletter. So it I mean, yeah. many, many years ago. And and then the next thing I look around and I'm like, wow, this thing is all over the world. Look at this. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Right. Yeah, I had to solve the the manufacturing part of it is was has always been the most challenging to be able to make something and in the volume that we make them now. It that has been probably the roughest go. I I tried to keep it simple. Mm -hmm. it, it it looks it looks simple, but it's it it wasn't. And you know, I I started by just grabbing what was available in my little town, yes. and and I found myself at uh, Goodwill a lot, and just looking at different Velcro mechanisms and different materials, and and then I spent time in Bangkok and Mexico wow. and Guatemala, just trying to find materials. And you know we we have access in America to some of the best materials that aren't available in a lot of places. Taipei has some materials that we can't find here, but most of the materials that are available on the planet we can get here relatively easy in the U.S. So finding the right material that works for it took a long time and a lot of variations. But I just kept looking, just keep looking, and I started with snaps and clasps and those clearly didn't work and sewing had its challenges and that wasn't a long-term solution and you know making it so that it didn't hurt the wrist was was tricky um and getting a one size fits most and anal analyzing you know what's the normal wrist circ circumference of the human being and you know, that sort of stuff, just constant, constant look at, you know, I think that if you sit and you look at something every day, all day, you just keep working out the bugs mm -hmm. and, and it's just naturally going to evolve if you just keep looking at it every day, all day. <laughs> so you're in the actual production end. there's, you don't have an outside production. No, team. and no, and uh, season mean, means of manufacturing is probably the most important advice that I've ever received. Um, and I went through um, having somebody make it, and I looked at having somebody make it in eight different countries, and um, it, there was so many challenges with that. I just make them yourself. <laughs> just that's just really interesting. Yeah, wow. yeah, impressive. Yeah. <laughs> No wonder you had to retire from the clinic. Yeah, right. It is. It's a, yeah. Yeah. But it, what, what, what a fun journey. I mean, that's what we do all day. We make stuff. It's a great, it's a brilliant journey. I, I, I love that. And so where do you anticipate this going in the next year or a few years from now with this, where you're at? I mean, it seems like it just is going so brilliantly. What, what do you see as the future of the wrist widget? Well, I'd like to see it on every every shelf in every pharmacy on the planet um, because one of the things that's very clear is that this injury is devastating and it's a lot more common than it's been reported. So having a solution available to somebody that has this injury in Uganda or in Madagascar and having access to something that solves it, it's is important. You know, it's kind of like butterfly bandages 
you know, it's really nice to be able to walk into a pharmacy and grab a butterfly bandage for a wound or, you know, antibiotic, you know, so I, I do think it's something that will be more readily available to most people over the next 10 years. For me, I think, I really think the risk widget needs to be in the hands of 3M. Um, I think that they have, their Futuro brand is pretty great and it is available in most places. And that, that would alleviate me from the manufacturing responsibility. I've gotten it to a point now where I finally feel comfortable with how it's made and how it's designed. There were a lot of things that I didn't like along the way, you know, whether it be the neoprene was too toxic or the Velcro just didn't hold or the edges were too rough or it didn't fit smaller wrists or the material was, I had to get from, from, uh, from China. I didn't like that too much. So I, I, I needed to have the material made locally and so, and designed kind of where I wanted it to be. I, I am looking at hemp um, integrating a hemp um, into it so mm-hmm. it's not nylon. I, I'm hoping that that has the same Velcro hold and things like that. But I'm 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 pretty confident with where it's at finally. And um, so now it, it just needs to be mass produced to meet the demand. And the, the my my work is um, really right now is to 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 spend more time and energy on the research side of it there's there's so we need to learn more about the tfcc the tfcc is so poorly understood and um there it's such a devastating injury um you know it it's uh, I, I started this facebook group um it's just a tfcc and older sided facebook group i'm not a big facebook user but it's grown a lot and you go in there and you listen to these cases and um it's heartbreaking really really heartbreaking so that kind of inspires me every day to just keep pushing towards more research, pushing towards more research, keep publishing research. Um, but that takes so much time. Hey, I mean, education's everything. Like you said, so yeah. many people, I mean, they just are so frustrated because they go and they have a problem in the wrist and they, they actually get an x-ray or they get some a couple tests done and the, the doctors don't determine exactly what's wrong. And they just say, oh, there's nothing we can do. And then they really feel like there's nothing they can do and they find something like this that they can say, wow, there's actually something we can do. So the yeah. more people that you, I'm sure you obviously all those people that you work with are very often people who have sought out medical help and weren't able to determine what was wrong with them. Yeah. Our early diagnosis is important and um, it, it being able to diagnose yourself and treat it yourself is valuable. Um, and so early diagnosis, early treatment, um, understanding what the tests are and what they mean. I mean, I, I, the content on the website, I'm really trying to articulate uh, this year, spending more time on blogs and sharing what I know. And um, yeah, you know, uh, it, it, it's like this for anything. You get a mallet finger, you know, how do you, how do you treat that? And if there were somebody that just focused on mallet fingers, uh, you know, or swan neck deformities, and all they do is talk about, you know, this one particular thing and become the expert. I think the hand therapists are the people to do that. We really have a 
a wonderful influence on a larger group of people that uh, can benefit from this knowledge. Exactly. And there are so many therapists that do find really interesting orthoses that they've created that they could share with the world. And you have just probably inspired hundreds of people just by sharing this information to take what they know and make it happen like you have. You know, uh, when you sit and you treat a patient, I remember we used to treat one patient every hour and uh, we'd, you know, see eight in a day. And then then that increased to 16 a day. And, you know, then it was more like 30 a day. (laughs) Yes. And you say, well, how can I better use my time to influence instead of 30 a day, influence 100 a day? And um, it's, it's really rewarding to, um, to look at, um, I don't know. We've, I think we've hit, um, I, I'd have to guess 700, 700,000 people have ordered the wrist widget, I guess. And, um, I think a million people come to the website every day. It, 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 it yeah, it, it is, it's a huge responsibility. Um, but it's, um, really rewarding and, um, it, it's exponential when it, you move out of the clinic and into a niche market. Um, I hope more hand therapists go down that road. I mean, we are so proud of you as hand therapists <laughs> and so honored to have you share this story with us and thankful. Um, I wanted to ask you just a couple more questions. Um, I appreciate your time so much. And I wanted to ask you what are a few lessons that you've learned? that perhaps you could share. So if somebody is interested in pursuing this in their own career path, that would be helpful for them. My dad gave me the best advice probably when I was young that said, don't go into business with anybody and don't be a, don't borrow any money Mm -hmm. if you can. And, you know, I think when I started this in 2006, I invented it um, right in the middle of beginning of 2007, I ended up in an abuse shelter with my two young children and I had no money, just no money, (laughs) two children. And I didn't take out a loan and I didn't, uh, I, I didn't ask for any money. So it's, it's possible it's possible to do without a partner or a, or a um, money. I've been really fortunate, actually, to have a wonderful partner that has been instrumental in in the development of the risk widget. But um, not no business partner, I think, would probably be best advice. And, That's uh, fabulous uh, <laughs> advice. I mean, just uh, things yeah. that people think they need somebody to do it for them, or they need a huge amount of capital to start. The fact that yeah. you're able to share that is, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And then the other advice I'd get is, is, is just keep it patient focused. It, the patients really drove this. I, the pe- people with this injury, you know, when you, when you're um, pure in your intention to help others, um, it, it, it just kind of is contagious. I think mm-hmm. the, it, listening really closely to your to your patients, um, to the details of their words and their experiences um, is super important. Well, that's how you were able to evolve it so many times to get the yeah. product exactly where you want it and where you yeah. want to take it to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't do that yeah. part without anybody's help. That's 
from the help of the people that you're helping. Yeah. Yeah. It is, you know, you can't forget, it's really easy to get distracted by the details of the business and the financial part of it. But if you just keep listening, keep listening, keep listening, keep caring, um, it perfects it. You, you, you perfect it. Right. And all that good stuff you're putting out comes right back to you. Comes right back. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, really, thank you so much. Is there a way people can learn more? I'm going to give them a summary sheet um, with the website and details, but if there's just a quick thing you can share with us about how they can learn more, I think the website itself has most everything, but is there anything they should know about ordering or details? Um, yeah, no, I think that the Facebook group is a good group to, okay. if, if you, if people want to get a, a real perspective from a patient's, um, eyes, that's a good place to, to go. Um, and if you're, if it's somebody that's interested in this injury, feel free to tap in with your questions there. Great. Um, the, the, the website, you know, um, I get, I answer all the emails that come my way. Each email does come my way. So, um, if there's an inventor out there that has some ideas, I'm happy to help. As far as where do you buy it, you know, I've always offered the wrist widget to my colleagues for, I, I think it's 15 on each one, just, and I give samples out for clinics and stuff like that. I, I, I think that all of us are, we learn from each other and, you know, we want to try things that are new in the marketplace and we don't want to have to spend too much money on them. So I've always done that from the beginning, but yeah. I do know that. You've been very generous with the people that I've referred to you. They always clamor about your generosity. You're such an inspiration and so happy that we've, our paths have continued to cross. And I had gotten a wonderful press release, which I'm going to also put in the document. If people just send an, an email to info at hand therapy, I will include all of Wendy's info that we've shared. And if you're okay with that, I'll put your email on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Of and course. What, awesome. a, what a treat. What an absolute treat. Susan, <clears throat> you're an icon to me. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. I will look forward to sharing more details with all of our listeners soon. Wendy, thank you so much for sharing your inspirational discussion and your courageous path. I've put together an info sheet for the listeners. By emailing info at handtherapy.com and putting Wendy in the subject line, we will include a wonderful collaboration about Wendy, how to email her, some information on the wrist widget and how to obtain a sample, as well as links to some amazing videos that Wendy has created. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Hand Therapy Heroes. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Visit handtherapy.com and register for our newsletter containing free content and courses about our fascinating hands. Hold hands today for a more functional tomorrow.